This week's edition of the Detroit Bureau's Headlight News is brought to you by Toyota. Take your adventures further with the RAV4 Hybrid's advanced engine that produces an ample 219 combined net horsepower and has an EPA-estimated 40 combined MPG. A hybrid-exclusive XSE-grade pushes it further with its sport-tuned suspension and styling. Visit toyota.com slash rav4hybrid to find out more. This is thedetroitbureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein. Welcome. It was a busy week in the automotive world, and here are some of the big stories we've been covering on thedetroitbureau.com. U.S. car sales suffered another double-digit decline in November. While not all automakers report monthly, industry analysts estimate demand dipped 16% year-over-year. As has been the case, semiconductor shortages and production pitfalls catch much of the blame. But there's growing concern rising vehicle prices, increasing interest rates, and a weakening economy also played a role. Despite weak demand at some major brands, a few others did surprisingly well, with Subaru up over 50% and Hyundai setting an all-time November record. We got a first look at a number of vehicles this past week, including the newly stretched Toyota Grand Highlander. The Lamborghini Hurricane Storato and the BMW iX5 also made a debut. The Bavarian automaker becomes the latest manufacturer to market a vehicle powered by a hydrogen fuel cell. We also learned that Buick will add a second Chinese-made model, the Invista SUV, to its U.S. lineup. Separately, the DetroitBureau.com reported that demand for Chinese vehicles is fast on the rise in Europe and could soon see big growth in the U.S., despite political friction between the two countries. Meanwhile, GM has yet to comment on reports it's getting ready to spin off its iconic Corvette sports car from Chevrolet to form a new brand. That move has long been rumored, but as the Detroit Bureau reported, a Corvette brand may get some additional products, including an SUV and a four-door. But the big surprise is that those new performance models will go all electric. And Volkswagen may turn to Taiwan's Foxconn to build products for its new Scout brand at a plant Foxconn owns in Ohio. The factory already produces the all-electric Lordstown Endurance pickup. The United Auto Workers Union is now counting votes to see who will be the powerful labor group's next leaders. It's the first time members have held direct elections at the national level. A last-minute measure passed by Congress averted a big U.S. railway strike that could have crippled not only the auto industry, but the entire U.S. economy. President Joe Biden quickly signed into law the controversial bill, which delivers workers a 24% pay hike and other benefits, but it didn't give them the extra sick days they had demanded. And finally, Stellantis is pairing with French high-tech company Qnomic to let owners convert existing gas and diesel models to run on battery power. The project is expected to begin in 2024, and though details weren't released, it appears a joint venture will focus on commercial vehicles like local delivery vans to help fleet operators reduce energy and maintenance costs. And those are the stories making headlines on thedetroitbureau.com. Now for the week's top story, here's Joe Sesney. Thanks, Paul. Many of the sales reports from November suggest there is still plenty of interest in new vehicles. Toyota, Subaru, Mazda, and Hyundai all posted double-digit sales increases last month, despite rising interest rates. However, not every company was a winner. Ford and Honda sales slipped, but not dramatically. Despite its decline, even Ford got some good news, though. It's now the second-largest seller of EVs in the U.S. behind Tesla. 
Its electric vehicles have more than doubled in November. Not only did sales rise last month, but inventories also grew for the first time in two years, giving buyers more choices. Cox Automotive noted the steady rise of inventories this fall could slow future price increases. In addition, the nation dodged a rail strike, which would have snarled deliveries and production of new vehicles for weeks, likely putting even more pressure on prices. Toyota Executive Vice President Jack Hollis said last week he expected sales of new vehicles to increase throughout 2023. He noted demand remains robust and supplies of new vehicles could remain tight, though not as tight as they were this year. He predicted sales would likely jump from $14 million this year to $15 million in 2023. Hollis added Toyota could sell more vehicles due to strong demand. He might be right, as Toyota and Ford reported record numbers of orders on the books for their new models this next year. That's this week's top story. Now let's go to Michael Strong, who has our review. Thanks, Joe. Everyone talks about how competitive the full-size pickup segment is, but the compact crossover part of the business is every bit that battle. Toyota's 2022 CHR Limited is evidence of how hard the automaker is working to differentiate its product from the rest of the class while being the cream of it. The automaker starts with an exterior design that's familiar yet distinctive. It's a sculpted body with those creases separating it from the pack. If those lines don't do it, the uniquely positioned door handles sitting at the top of the doors make the CHR stand out in an ever more homogenous crowd. It's a nice looking vehicle often a pretty good compliment for any entry in this class. Toyota says the CHR has sport coupe personality with crossover functionality. Well, I'd say they're half right. It offers plenty of versatility and capability to haul people and things. However, sport coupe personality? Uh, no. It's powered by a 2-liter 4-cylinder putting out 144 horsepower. Unfortunately, it's mated to a continuously variable transmission with intelligence and shift mode. Toyota's intelligent CVT felt more like a stereotypical CVT, driving me batty more often than not. The upside to the CVT on the CHR is the gas mileage is pretty good, with an EPA rating of 29 miles per gallon combined. We averaged a little over 27, but most of it was in city driving. The interior of the CHR is above average, with very comfortable seats and a cabin that feels spacious and looks a step above the others in its class. The Audio Plus package gave us an 8-inch touchscreen that was responsive and crystal clear. It's also a very safe machine, featuring Toyota's SafetySense 2.5 pre-collision system with pedestrian detection, blind spot monitor, lane tracking assist, and more. NHTSA gave it a 4-star rating, including 5 stars for side impacts. Is the CHR a better offering than competitors like the Hyundai Kona, Honda HRV, Nissan Kicks, and more? Not really. It's better than some and worse than others. So what it really comes down to is price. The CHR starts at a little over 24 grand. Our tester was nearly 30,000 even. However, it looks to be the most expensive offering of the group by as much as five grand in the case of the Nissan Kicks. Is Toyota quality and reliability worth the price difference? If you're spending $30,000 or less on a vehicle, it certainly is. That was our review. Now let's look at what's coming in the week ahead. There's going to be plenty of variety this week starting with an update on the UAW's first-ever one-person, one-vote election. About a million active members and retirees were eligible to vote this time. It's the first time they've been able to directly vote for candidates. The change appears to be benefiting the reform-minded segments of the union who wanted it. Early returns suggest the old guard candidates are in trouble, including incumbent President Ray Curry, who looks to be headed for a runoff, sources tell the Detroit Bureau. 
On Thursday, GM CEO Mary Barra meets with the Automotive Press Association for its Christmas fireside chat in Detroit. She'll likely be peppered with questions about everything from the company's coming EVs, to its cruise and bright drop subsidiaries, to her expectations for 2023. However, we expect one of the first questions will be some version of, so, a Corvette SUV, really? We'll also be keeping an ear to the ground for potential news about the Consumer Electronics Show in January. Stellantis CEO Carlos Tavares is delivering a keynote, and a few vehicles are expected to make a full debut at the show, so as additional news breaks about those, we'll be certain to pass it along. Those are just some of the stories we're tracking in the week ahead. Now let's go to Larry Prince for a walk through automotive history. Larry? Thanks, Mike. Time to take a road trip back into the self-propelled past with this week in automotive history. This week in 1895, the first automobile race is held in Chicago, Illinois. The 54-mile route starts in Chicago, runs to Evanston, and back. The top prize is $2,000. Six cars enter, including a Duryea, three Benzes, a Sturgis Electric, and a Morris & Solemn Electrobat. After 10 hours and 23 minutes, Frank Duryea crosses the finish line, winning the race. In 1913, the first drive-in service station opens at the corner of Baum Boulevard and St. Clair Street in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Opened by the Gulf Refining Company, the Pagoda-style brick building offers free air, water, crankcase service, and tire and tube installation. Gas was pricey, however, costing 27 cents a gallon. That's $8.05 in today's money. In 1927, the Ford Model A is officially released, replacing the venerable Model T after 20 years. Lower and sleeker than the Model T, the Model A's appearance reflects the influence of Edsel Ford. Some 10 million people view the new vehicle in its first week, and Ford produces 9,000 units a day. But unlike the Tinley's long production run, the Model A's life would be far shorter, with manufacturing ending in 1932. Finally, in 1996, Cadillac builds its final Fleetwood, the last full-size rear-wheel drive sedan built by Cadillac. It's also the final car to wear the Fleetwood badge, a name that dates to 1909, when it started as a custom coach builder in Fleetwood, Pennsylvania for such luxury automakers as Packard, Duesenberg, Bentley, Mercedes-Benz, Pierce Arrow, Stutz, and many others. General Motors bought the company in 1927. And that's the road we've traveled this week in automotive history. For TheDetroitBureau.com, I'm Larry Prince. Thanks, Larry, and that's it for now. You've been listening to TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein.